The biggest question that I'm really trying to ask myself is how can I help more women? You are now tuning into the No Small Talk podcast, and we're your hosts, Ebony and Sherry, two introverts who actually do enjoy conversations, as long as it's not small talk, and you don't have to settle for small talk either. Change the conversation. We're here to show you how. With our conversation starters, we want to help you enjoy meaningful conversations and build better relationships in order to succeed in business, life, and in love. We'll show you how to be confident, present, and vulnerable while starting conversations that you enjoy. Relationships, parenting, careers, money, and wellness are all topics we discuss right here on this podcast. So get your headphones, your cup of tea, and get ready to be inspired to start your next conversation. No small talk. Uh, they cannot do what they want. I got my freedom of speech. Yeah. Get to say what I want. They cannot lock me outside. I walk in right through the front. With a big back like I'm back. You need to get my respect. Hello, welcome to another episode of the No Small Talk podcast. This is episode 60, and we are going to entertain you with another conversation starter episode. We all know that small talk is boring and it rarely creates any sort of connection between you and someone else. A good way to turn small talk into good conversation is to talk about your passions, the things that excite you or the things that you can talk about forever and ever without getting bored. And so if you need a quick tip on how to better engage with people, how about you start with discovering and exploring your passions? And what I've discovered is that once you've realized what you're really passionate about, you can easily weave that into most conversations you initiate or are brought into. Take for instance, today's conversation starter. I invited my very good friend, Lillian ajayi Aret to the conversation and we each took turns answering, what question are you trying to answer most in your life right now? And each of us answered this question based on our passions. I don't think it was planned, but it just makes sense. We spoke about topics from women empowerment to God and religion to family. And honestly, I think that anyone could have brought up any question and elements of these topics would have come up because these are topics that each of us are generally passionate about. And truly that is the power of living and leading with passion. It just becomes who you are and what you tend to talk about most. Speaking of passion, so as I told you, I asked my friend Lillian to join us and I asked Lillian because she truly is one of the most passionate people that I know. She genuinely champions and celebrates other women's wins and has a genuine curiosity and interest about the people that she's speaking with. That's the type of curiosity that we strongly encourage when trying to connect with people and she does it so naturally. So I was extremely excited that she agreed to join us. And I hope that you are excited about the conversation. 
And please make sure you stay tuned to the end of the conversation because Lillian shares with us the three books that she would take with her on Introvert Island if she was stranded for three weeks. She also shares with us her favorite No Small Talk conversation starter. And she lets us in on the negative self-talk that has been filling her mind recently and what affirmation she's replacing that negative small talk with. So I am going to get out of your way so that you can enjoy this episode with Lillian. No small talk. We are going to jump right into the question. So Lillian, what question are you trying to answer most in your life right now? First of all, I want to say thank you ladies for having me. And thank you for charging us up because we've had our little pre-conversation before we got into this. (laughs) (laughs) Such a great question. I think it took me a while to kind of answer that because I wear multiple hats, as you know, but as the social entrepreneur that I am and the advocate of women's rights and women empowerment, I think the biggest question that I'm really trying to ask myself is how can I help more women? And then another question that I have is sometimes just being honest, when you are in the business of helping women, there are some challenges that you face as well. So it's like, how do I confront those challenges that I face when I'm trying to help women as well? I'm interested in that second point. When you say that there's some challenges that you come up against when trying to help some females, what are some of those challenges? You know, one thing I would say is like, obviously, the good news is that this doesn't happen all the time. So I would say like 99 or 98% of the time, it's always a very easy process. But that 2% of the time, which I know, according to a lot of authors and leaders that I follow, they always say don't dwell on it, but you should dwell on it. Because I want a process that helps all women feel comfortable and available to the service, to the kindness, to the openness that they receive from working with me or working with my organization or participating in something that we do. I honestly think that it's still that dogma that we deal with when it comes to women trusting each other. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people have a hard time accepting the help or the support because they don't trust if you have ulterior motives. And I don't, right? So I think one of the things that we have to do as women who are in the business of helping other women is establishing more trust. Even though 2% is pretty low to focus on, I still want the 2%. I want to be able to win them over and help them overcome whatever it is that's preventing them of giving in a little bit more. I'm surprised it's only 2% because I do think that as a female, and Ebony, you and I spoke about this a few times, that when we talk about working with other females, sometimes we do feel like it's difficult because there's no trust or you feel like there's more of a competition. And I know right now it's pretty popular to see on Instagram, hashtag collaboration over competition. And while it's a great hashtag in reality, even some of the people who are using the hashtag don't really come, in my opinion, with the intention to collaborate. It's really, there's only a few spots in this space for females Mm -hmm. And if I can't have this spot, you're not going to have it either, right? And so I think that's one thing. And I think the trust issue, I do think that's interesting because I can see why it's an issue for me because 
in most of my interactions, I have felt like it was more of a competition and not a collaboration. When I do see another female trying to offer help, sometimes it's like, well, I'm not used to this. Is she being genuine? Mm. And I will say, Lillian, and I've told you this before, and I believe I put it on one of your Instagram posts recently. That was Mm -hmm. one of the first things that drew me immediately to you. You were just really interested in other females. I felt like you took a genuine interest in me. And no matter where we are, you are too in my horn. And I'm looking at you like, girl, you have more accomplishments than I do. (laughs) But whenever I'm around you, I truly feel like a queen because I don't think that you're doing this just because you're trying to come up with a brand. I truly think it's who you are. You really Mm. champion other people, other females. Like when I'm in a room with you, I feel like it's not about you. It's about Mm. everyone else. And you wanted to share your relationship with that person with the other people in the room or you want to share that person's gifts with other people in the room that's rare to find I will say that I think that's for me at least it's been rare to find I love that too because you don't really and everything that you said I agree wholeheartedly you see it a lot more but to see women who genuinely want to support and uplift other women is just amazing and I'm excited to see that and I do Notice that a lot of us, especially on social media, we are using the hashtags supporting other women, women empowerment, collaboration over competition. But I think that to your point, Sherry, about women being suspect of each other, I think that for a long time, women, we have been operating from a scarcity mindset and feeling that there's not enough room for us at the Mm. table. So you feel like another woman because you feel like the world is not built for women to be at the same level of men and there can be but only enough spots for women we've naturally throughout history have seen ourselves as competition but i think what's changing is that women are starting to realize that collaboration is better than competition and there is enough seats at the table for all of us and if not we can go ahead and build our own damn table so that we put ourselves in a position so that we can actually build something, do something, and actually effectuate change in the system that has put women against each other for so long. So to see that you're doing that, Lillian, is like amazing. And we applaud you for that and encourage you to keep doing that, keep reaching out and keep helping women. Thank you. No, thank you both. I mean, I'm truly honored. And to me, it's like, you know, you guys are like my superstar fans and friends and sisters, you know, and I love what you do. And and I like what every woman brings to the table, something very special. And I think we can all gain from one another. And so you guys bring up very good points. Like the first point is about the fact that there is that scarcity of support, right? It's okay to have a seat at the table. And then for you to also get up and have someone else sit at your spot on the table and you go find another chair at the table And I think that kind of reciprocity, right, we don't necessarily see as often. So you get a little hyperensive when you have someone like myself, who, Sherry, you definitely explained it very well, I genuinely want to help women. And I know someone said, why do you feel like you want to help women? And I think I kind of explained it well in a recent interview with Facebook Watch when they did this with Black Voices. Because my mom, and you guys all know this, like back when she was growing up, it was that very contrived, very competitive world where women were not particularly supporting each other. They were just trying to get to the top however way they could. And I kept saying to myself at six years old that imagine a world where women are actually helping each other. You would get there faster and even farther if you go as a group as opposed to going 
alone. And so I'm blessed that at least my statistic is like 98% of the time, it's a path of least resistance. But that 2% of the time, it just hurts me because you are denying someone who genuinely want to help and support you. And there's nothing else I could do to convince you that this is a genuine gift that I'm trying to share with you. And I'm also trying to help you realize your own gifts so that we can continue to support one another. And I like what you said about us being like these hashtag gurus. And I think we see a lot of that in the space. And to me, it's ill-authentic when people put those hashtag in their social media posts, but they don't necessarily practice what they preach. And I think women as a society, and if you know, if you follow the women's story, if we truly, truly want to achieve gender equality, we have to support one another as the same type of gender, right? As women, we have to genuinely support one another and really understand what that support truly, truly means, because it's keeping us away from achieving more and being there for other women and even seeing the gifts of other people who want to help us as a gift as opposed to a challenge or, oh, you're going to make me feel less than, or why is it that you want to help me? There's just so many different arguments that I'm like, dude, I'm not here to like make you feel less than. I'm just here to help you if you're stuck and vice versa. Give me feedback and let me be better as well. When I say that 98% of the time they don't receive, which is great, but that 2% of time, I'm like, wow, you miss out on opportunities that was actually, I think, maybe it's too ambitious of me to say this, but I feel like sometimes women, we don't give ourselves enough room to experience the help. It's okay for someone to make room for you at the table and for you to show up at the table and present well. Imagine giving a recommendation for someone and then you're like, oh, I can't wait till you meet this person. And then the person never comes in the door. And then the person sends you a text and like, I'm not coming. What are you going to say to the room? That's maybe why certain women pull back and say, I'm not going to do this because I'm putting my neck on the line just with someone else. But I'm willing to put my neck on the line because I trust that person. Wow. I mean, I feel like as you were speaking, I can sit here and recount situations where I experienced the same thing. And it's just unfortunate that as females, we are fighting this fight against society, demanding more opportunities and demanding equal opportunity. But when it comes to ourselves and our interaction with ourselves, we're not expecting the same thing from each other, or we are making the struggle harder by not supporting each other. And like you said, creating the space for ourselves, because sometimes we've spoken about this too, while it might be great, and it would be great for society to give us the opportunity. Sometimes we see that the most progress comes when you create it for yourselves. And when Mm -hmm. we have a platform like you, Lillian, creating that platform to create opportunities for each other, and people are just not supporting it because they're coming in with their own misconceptions or fears or insecurities. It's just really unfortunate. Yeah. It's so funny. You mentioned securities. I think what happens is when women fail to show up when the opportunities are presented to them, like they've always imagined in one, it also highlights a sense of insecurity, right? So how do we help women feel more secure so that when the opportunity comes, they can rise to the challenge? Yeah. I think it's also part of building up our confidence as women. And I think Cherry and I, we've talked about this too previously. Men are just more naturally confident in their abilities. Let's say, for example, there's a position or a job that a man might be interested in applying for, and there are 10 
particular experiences that the company is looking for. A man might have two out of 10 of those <laughs> experiences and say, oh, I have enough to apply for the job. Whereas some women will typically say, oh my God, I only have eight out of 10. I'm not qualified and don't even give themselves an opportunity to get their foot in the door or at least be seen to have the opportunity to get that position. So I think part of working together as women and building on our insecurities is to try to build confidence in ourselves and our abilities and what we have to offer. Absolutely. And I think maybe that's one area that we can focus on. Maybe we've been focusing so much on helping women rise and helping women shape their careers and live their full potential. But what about the women who are insecure, right? Who are not as confident? What are we doing to help them develop their confidence? When we put up a lot of our posts, we find that the posts that speak to confidence and not caring about other people's perspectives of you or their perception of you, that gets the most attention because I think that it resonates with people. When we talk about showing up at work or showing up in personal relationships, sometimes what gets in the way is thoughts or feelings around, am I worthy enough to be in this room? Or does what I have to say matter to this person? My talents or my passion Is there value in any of that anywhere? And I think we start to second guess ourselves and doubt ourselves. And then it's just easier for me to hide and not show up and not get rejected, right? I fear the possibility of rejection more than I fear the possibility of not being heard. Mm, Yes. Mm -hmm. That's a whole word. Very valid point. Well, Ebony, what about you? (laughs) What question (laughs) are you trying to answer most in your life right now? The biggest thing for me these days or during this current part of my life is how to be more content with the current season that I'm in while I'm in the season. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I struggle with, not that I'm not appreciative of all the things that I have now in my life. I think I have a fairly good life, but I feel like one of the things that I, being a very ambitious female who, you know, I have all these aspirations and all these goals that I want to achieve in the future and five-year plan, 10-year plan, that I sometimes struggle with living in the moment. I ask myself all the time, and this is something that I'm constantly trying to work on, like, what do I need to do to be more intentional about being present and enjoying and being content with the season that I'm in? And yes, you can work towards things that you want in the future, but enjoy now because life, as we can see, 2021 Q1 is pretty much over. (laughs) So life is going by so fast. I think it's very important for people and for myself to really enjoy and be content with the season that we are in because we don't get this time back. Sometimes I do look back at maybe like five years ago when my family, my husband and I lived in Texas. And I remember I kept saying, oh, I can't wait till we move back up Northeast and I'll be close with my friends and my family. And I'm going to be able to do this with my career and blah, blah, blah. And now when I look back at those times, I'm like, wow, life was really simple. We did this together as a family. We weren't as busy. And I really enjoy looking back at those times that we had with each other. And I just wish that while I was in the moment, I really stopped to really enjoy it. So for me, the question that I'm constantly asking myself, Ebony, what do you need to do to be content to enjoy this season? And I think I find the answer. (laughs) Oh, so what's the answer? What did you come to? So yeah, I had a conversation with a friend 
recently and she knows that my husband and I, you know, we have this idea that we want our dream home. And Sherry, you know this too. We have a very large family. So I'm constantly always thinking, oh, I need my dream home. I want the land. I want all of this because I have five kids. So it's something that I aspire to do. And though I feel like we have a nice home now, I've never really stopped to really enjoy it. To me, it's always kind of been like temporary housing. Okay, like we're here now, but this is where we're going to be. Like, this is the house that I I want. And I haven't really even stopped to enjoy. So I just decided, like, listen, Ebony, close all of that. Like, stop thinking about the future and enjoy now. And I actually am working on like a DIY project to redo my house, to redo the kids rooms for them, like really just kind of like making it like a family activity to kind of really spruce up and live in this house the way I would want to live in my quote unquote dream home and just do it. Like stop thinking about it. So my answer to that is stop thinking, stop trying to trivialize everything and just live and enjoy this moment. What do you want now that will make you happy? That will bring you peace. That'll allow you to enjoy the time that you're in and do it. Stop trying to complicate it, Ebony, and just do it. So that's where I'm at now. I love that. No, I like it. I think being present is always so taking on the opportunity to create moments that forces you to be present. And I think that's what you're doing with your do yourself project at home. Right. And then it's also like showing up for your family. Right. Right. Figuring out what it is. And I think you'll definitely get your dream home. Amen. Right, Jerry? Amen. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And do share pictures when you're done with your upgrade for your house. I will. Um, will. And I think it will create memory moments for you. I went through a similar thing too. I felt like I was just kind of passing through because in life, it's like when you have a family and you have so many different activities that you're into, it's easy to just split by it. Whereas you want to remember, like I want to have a memory of what I did just now. And what I'm going to do next. And I think creating memorable moments forces us to be more present. So I like what you're doing, Ebony. What about you, Sherry? What's that question that you're trying to ask? One of the things that I've been thinking about lately, I don't know why, but the question that keeps coming to my mind is whether God is happy with me, like whether I'm good with God right now. And I picked up a book because I felt like the book was being promoted on Instagram and I was reading a few chapters or a few sections of it. And the way it was just describing God and your relationship with God, I thought that it would be helpful for me because after a while I felt that it was an unhealthy level of fear or concern. I know that as believers, we should have like fear in the sense of reverence for God, but it felt, and we should constantly be conscious of him, but Mm -hmm. it just felt like it was just so constantly on my mind where it felt like a burden. And I felt like there's other people who for them, it's enough to say that they know God and they're just chilling, right? They're not Mm -hmm. thinking about it the way I'm thinking about it. So for me, I wanted to read this book to see if I can get to this healthy balance or see my relationship with God as just something that I look forward to as opposed to being afraid of or uncertain about. And I was at the hair salon and my friend saw the book in my bag and she asked what the book was about. And when I explained to her, she's Christian and she said, basically as Christians, 
when they're saved or born again, they consider their relationship with God good, right? There's not much of a worry. And I remember at the moment, I thought, huh, I don't know if I particularly agree with the concept, but I know that I want to get to a place where I'm conscious of God, but it's not a constant overthinking. So I've been speaking to different people about it. And I felt like throughout the week, there were so many opportunities for me to have this conversation with people. It was not planned, but it it just kept coming up in certain interactions. Case in point, Derek Jackson, I think we were were speaking about him earlier. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking when the whole scandal on Instagram came out about him cheating on his wife, this dating relationship expert, I kept thinking he's somebody who in his videos, he kept talking about how much of a man of God he was. And he was like Bible thumping and just talking about God. And I said, how can he do what he was doing and not be so conscious of God He's just doing what he's doing and his conscience of God didn't keep him from doing that. Right. I kept thinking like he's somebody who was very comfortable in what he was doing, comfortable in his lifestyle, whereas me, I'm conscious of God. And I don't know if I'm enjoying the relationship because I'm so afraid of doing the wrong thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. But before I give my opinion on that, because I have an opinion about the Derek Jackson whole situation, but <laughs> who does it? I will get it? into it. <laughs> who does that? <laughs> but I think it's important to give yourself grace though, Sherry, because at the end of the day, yes, you should be conscious of your relationship with God and your spirituality and doing the right thing and being a good person, but you also need to be conscious that you are a human being. And as a human being, you're naturally going to mess up. You're going to have tough moments. You're going to commit sin. It's something we can't avoid, but just give yourself grace in knowing that it's natural for you to mess up and you're not going to be perfect. And God knows that, right? God knows your heart and he knows you're trying and he knows your intent to be a good person. And I think that in my opinion, in my belief is that God will look at your, yes, your works, but also your heart as well. Because to Jarek Jackson's point, His words are not matching up with his actions. And we don't know his heart. We can only speculate. But a lot of times people are throwing God out there because it benefits either their platform or maybe they're trying to attract a certain audience and portray themselves a certain way because it's going to benefit them. They've created this brand about them. So I'm not judging Derek Jackson. I don't know if he was perpetrating and pretending to be this man of God because that aligned with the brand that he created for himself. But what I'm trying to say is that not everybody that you see saying God, God, is actually aligned with God. So we have to also be wary of that as well. When we see people on social media preaching and trying to teach and say, do as I say, not as I do. Come on, really? Right. And I had a conversation with someone, with a few people yesterday, every Friday, I'm part of a prayer group. And so we get together. And this question has been so much on my mind that I brought it up to them. And that was one of the points that was raised too, right? There are a lot of people who are living life very freely with no consciousness or thoughts of their actions, right? And while they are preaching God and saying how much they know God, like what you said, Ebony, their actions are not lining up. And this is by no means a way for me to judge, right? Because at the end of the day, a lot of us, I want to say at least we're trying, right? And I know that I'm not perfect and no one is perfect. And I don't know what actions get you closer to God than other actions. But it's just interesting for me when I see certain people and 
they just feel so carefree and live so carefree and the God consciousness doesn't appear to be a part of their equation when they're thinking about making certain decisions. But a part of me wants that level of comfort and ease, right? So I want to be conscious of God, but part of me was jealous of those people Mm. and wondering whether my level of consciousness is even healthy. And I think for me, I believe we spoke about this in some other conversation or maybe with COVID, I've been a lot more conscious of it, the concept of life and death, because COVID has really put it in our face that death can come so quickly. And are we ready for it? Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I go to heaven, right? And so I'm just constantly thinking today, am I confident that if I was to die today, that I will end up in heaven? And I was asking the group yesterday, do we think that some of the prophets and the teachers that we see in the Bible and the Quran was Moses or Abraham or Jesus or Muhammad, do we think that any of them were confident that they were indeed going to have? Like, was that something that they felt so surely about or was it just a constant striving to be better and a constant striving for righteousness and a constant striving to get close to God? And what does striving without burden look like? So that's just generally what I've been thinking about for the past week or two, I would say. I think it really depends on someone's relationship with God, right? People have different levels of their relationship and everyone's relationship looks different, right? And people have different convictions, right? What you might be convicted by (laughs) and say, okay, I can never do that, right? And you feel that conviction in your spirit, I might not be, or -hmm. someone else might not be in their own walk with God. Now, again, I can't judge anyone's life. I'm not God, only God can judge, (laughs) but- you have to go with what you feel is right in your spirit and what you know to be right based off of your teachings and you putting yourself in a position where you're constantly learning and reading and praying and communicating with God. So it's going to be different for everybody. I mean, I don't have the perfect answer for what you're going through, but I definitely understand where you're coming from. Especially these days, we see everything, everything plays out on social media and everyone's putting everything out there and we're constantly comparing ourselves to people based off of what we're seeing them put out on social media. But we have to also remember that those are like little highlights of everyone's reality. And we don't know what really what people are battling with and going through in their own personal lives. Yeah. One, I want to commend you for going on this spiritual journey and just asking yourself this question of what happens if I wake up tomorrow in heaven? If I don't wake up tomorrow, what happens to my soul, right? So two things I want to say is one, to commend you on going on this journey, because I think the Bible also says that when we see God is also a new level of beginning of wisdom, right? So I think you're achieving a different sighting of God and the need to get closer to God. And so when Mm. you start to self-evaluate, these are the type of questions that comes up is like, who am I as a believer? Who am I as a follower of Christ or of God, right? And the other thing about human beings, and Ebony, I think you touched on this too, is we're not perfect. And God knows that we're imperfect creatures. We're not infallible. And we make a lot of mistakes. And thank God we have a very merciful God. And so whenever we do the wrong thing, he's kind enough, as long as you acknowledge your wrong doing, right, and you ask forgiveness, God does restore you and makes you feel like, all right, I'm whole. I made a mistake. I learned. And I've atoned for my mistake. And now I still want to continue to proactively see God. And I think human beings, as we get older too, 
the temptation is different. It comes in different forms. And we're constantly asking ourselves, how am I serving God? How am I serving God in my action? Am I serving God in my diction? Am I serving God in my relationship with people? Am I serving God while I'm serving other people? And I think take some comfort in knowing that a lot of what you do, Shay, is kind of showing God in the ways that you serve the world, whether it's your messaging, even having this conversation is probably going to help someone who's thinking about their relationship with God and saying, can I do more? Yes. One thing I did when I went through this journey was there is a Bible app. They have all these like Bible plans. And then I look for specific one because I said to myself that I've come to a certain age and I want my relationship to God to mean something else or to mean more or get to know God in this age. Because I think for a long time, I've kind of known God through my parents' lens and then developed my own relationship from being open to it growing up. And now I think the Bible plans on this Bible app was really helpful, helping me understand how do I talk to God when I'm facing challenges, when I'm not secure about my position with God, or when I've lost my way, which happens to a lot of believers. And I think it takes all of us in knowing that you're on the right track. And also know that human beings are not perfect, and they're going to make mistakes. But as long as we ask for forgiveness, God is going to give us that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, thank you both. Well, thanks for this conversation, Ebony and Lillian. <laughs> oh, thank you. This was a great conversation. Yeah, thanks, Lillian, for joining us. Ebony and I love having girl chat and just having conversation that causes us to think because we don't always get the opportunity to do that for different reasons. So thanks for giving us this time together. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as Ebony and I did. I did. But you know what, guys? I kind of want to get to the island question. What's going on with that? I want to get to the because I'm curious to know what three books you guys will all the bring. The extrovert, like she is. She's rushing <laughs> us through this. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. The lightning round. So, <laughs> you're so funny. The lightning round, the next few questions that we ask you, it's really just you. You're answering the questions you are on center stage. And we will start with the first question. If you were on Introvert Island for three weeks, what three books would you take with you? First of all, I want to disclose that. Thank God we're in the digital age because some of these books are so big that they will take up so much room in your luggage. Mm -hmm. So these will be eBooks, obviously, uh, Amazon Audible. Um, the three books are Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. Love that book. It's funny. Um, it's exciting. and has God in it, too, which I think is important. Jim Collins, Good to Great. It's a business book. I'm a businesswoman. I love thinking about different strategies when it comes to business. And then the third one is Michelle Obama, Becoming. Such a powerful, beautiful book. I would read that book again and again and again. So these are my top three favorite books. I'm reading Promised Land right now with President Obama, and I'm enjoying that as well. It's a longer book, but yeah. still pretty inciting. So those are the three books for sure that I would bring on this lovely island. And I would definitely bring them as a digital version for sure. So I have more room for clothes and other fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your favorite No Small Talk conversation starter? I like to ask the question, how are you doing? I do that with my students in the classroom. For me, it's more like acknowledging that we're human beings and that we're people. And then also checking in to say, how are you really? And really listening for the responses as well, because I do care. I like when I do with my students, because right now everything is all remote learning. My students are in different parts of the world. And so 
I actually read, like I tell them, like, all right, guys, let's spend some time putting, like, how do you guys feel today? And some of my students put not bad, not great. And if someone says not bad, I say, why is it not bad? How do I get your day to be great? Right. And I think having that follow up response, even if they said, oh, I'm doing good. I'm like, oh, what's making you feel good? Make sure you have a genuine response back and always have a follow up. Because I think that's when you really stop them in just having that routine response of, I'm good. All right, how can I help you? It's like, oh, why are you good today? And then they tell you. And I think that changes their mind a bit to be like, oh, my God, this person is really receptive towards me. They really do genuinely care about how I'm feeling today at this moment. And I think they remember you. The next question, what has been your negative self-talk recently and replace it with an affirmation? That's such a tough one. I think for me is the lack of time. Like I don't have time or like I don't have enough time. And I'm trying to figure out a way to not say that to myself because I think that's negative self-talk is saying that you don't have time. You know, my husband is a big believer in like you prioritize what you think is important. And sometimes everything is important, right? So you have to kind of rearrange the order of importance. So for me is my negative talk is like, oh my God, I don't have time to do that one. Or I don't have time to do this. It's, and then the way that I'm self-correcting is telling myself, why don't I have time? So asking that question of like, what's keeping me? What's the blockage? What's keeping me from having time to do X, Y, and Z? And then I feel like when you ask yourself why, you immediately now send a different signal to your brain that talks about, all right, how do we make time to do this? What do I need to get rid of? Do I need more energy? Do I need more time? Are there things that I'm currently doing that I need to take off my place? I can have time to do X, Y, and Z more. Again, thanks Lillian for joining us. This has been an amazing time with you. Let our listeners know where they can find you. You're doing some amazing work with your foundation, GC4W. Where can our listeners find you? Thank you, Ebony. Thank you, Sherry. This has been an honor to come on this platform. I really like the fact that you guys exist because there are some uncomfortable conversations that we need to talk about that a lot of times we are so afraid to have those conversations. I was happy that I confronted those in my conversation with you today. And I just want to say thank you again for having me and for inviting me. If you need to find me, go to gc4women.org to learn all about GC4W and to find me as well. And I look forward to connecting with your audience and coming back and hanging out with these two lovely women. We love what you guys do. This is really good for the community and for women. This is really, really good for women. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Until next time, no small talk. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of the No Small Talk. And a special thanks to those of you who have faithfully listened and supported the podcast. We really hope you enjoyed the conversation and walk away feeling inspired to start your own conversation. If you did, please do us a favor and submit your review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And also don't forget to subscribe to the No Small Talk podcast so that you can be the first to get new episodes every Wednesday. We also want to encourage you to share this episode on IG stories at No Small Talk podcast using hashtag No Small Talk so that we can keep the conversation going. Again, thank you so much for listening to us today. See you next time. And until next time, No Small Talk. From a place they go so hard I'm not afraid of words You can bring the bar 
If you don't want problems, then don't start. Don't start. They told me shut up and dribble. Tell your president, act presidential. Bottom line, I won't keep quiet, not this time, not this time.